you know, as I've really owned my bisexuality, um, between just acknowledging it for myself that it is totally valid for me to be married to a man or in partnership with a man and be bisexual. Um, and, and that is true for anybody, for anyone listening, whether you identify as polyamorous, monogamous, or somewhere in the middle, um, your relationship status does not define your sexuality, period, end of story. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 114 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, and for those of you who are new around here, which there are a lot of new people around these parts, um, because we've been getting some some fun traction on, on social medias, and I'm so excited that so many new voices are here, and also so many of the OGs, um, so many of you Patreons. It's just so nice. Um, Patreon. Do I call you Patreons or patrons? For those of you who are on the Patreon, still getting used to that since um, we started that this year. Um, but I'm just so grateful to be here with all of you, and I've been getting so, 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 so many requests um, to talk more extensively and openly about my own coming out experience um, because I talked about it in the context of polyamory when I first came out on the podcast and publicly about being polyamorous um, this fall or this last fall, fall 2020. Um, But I realized that I, I really haven't dug deep with you on the podcast in the context of my bisexuality. And um, I've been getting so many questions about what that looked like for me, especially as somebody who uh, was only 28 when they came out as bi to themselves, um, let alone to the world. I came out to publicly, to my friends, family, and to myself all at the same time, really. Um, and it has been such a whirlwind. And I've been talking a lot about this with so many of you. And so many of you have questions about it and questions around the validity of bisexuality, um, which is a big topic in the queer community um, and has been for a really long time. Um, questions around shame or not knowing and these all these major questions. Questions around, you know, why it took me so long to own that for myself. Did Polly have play a role? in that and all of that stuff. So we are opening and peeling back the curtain today and I just wanted to imagine like we are pulling up a chair if you're watching me on YouTube. Hey, you can see my face Um, and you can also see this really fucking weird thing my hair is doing right now. (laughs) Um, But um, I'm doing this now on YouTube as well um, and also obviously via Spotify and um, all of the amazing uh, Apple um, apps that you can, you can download to watch this or listen to this episode on. Um, but you know, ever since I started the podcast, it's almost three years. We're almost at the three year anniversary next week when, when we go live for the episode, we'll be pretty much on it, which is wild. Um, you know, but my, my intention has always been to create a space where it feels like we're having a candid conversation together over coffee, whether that's join me joined with a guest or just me and you, um, sitting back and, thinking about these things and um it's always felt so weird not having you on the other side of it so for one I'm glad that y'all can actually see my face now if you're watching it on YouTube but two it's so nice to now have um 
the Patreon and our private community via that, um, where we can really deep dive into all of these topics where I can um, see your faces. We'll be doing some community Zooms in the future, um, so stay tuned for that. Um, if you're not already a part of it, um, you can sign up super, super easily to become a patron over at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash live your fuck yes life. The U is not starred in that. Um, again, all of that's always in the show notes. Um, but it's been so nice to see you slowly trickling in and get to know you all off of the social media platforms where I love spending time with you. And as y'all remember, I, um, you know, not that long ago got banned on Instagram for a little bit for a reason that makes absolutely no sense, but the censorship is wild right now. And, um, I'm all about creating uncensored content for you. That's what this podcast is all about. And that's who I am all about. And so I'm really, really stoked that we finally have a private and and sex positive, um, inclusive space on the interwebs for all of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life community, whether you are new to this and this is your first time listening to the podcast or watching me on YouTube, um, or you just found me uh, on one of my many social media platforms, or you've been around these parts for a long time, um, you know, it's really our place to come and hang. So uh, I'm excited to see you in there if you're not already in, and for all of you amazing OG patrons, um, sending you so much love and we'll see you in there um, to talk more about in depth about this episode. But I really wanted to come in and come on and talk about my journey through bisexuality because while I am not an expert in sexuality, um, I am an expert in myself and I also um, have been very, very deeply in the world of um self-understanding and self-exploration for the last five years. It's what I do um, and what I facilitate in everything that I do as a coach. And while sexuality is a component of it, I would argue that it's a really, really big component of it. And it's one that so many of us, especially in the time of quarantine, I think have been asking ourselves and questioning, you know, for so, so, so long uh, growing up, all that I ever felt like was valid when it came to sexuality was being straight or being gay and I will say that that in and of itself I know is a privilege because I grew up in a really um sex positive family and um in honestly in a city and and a country that was a lot more advanced when it came to sexuality as a whole that's not true for everywhere but um you know growing up in Toronto I often feel like the you know when i moved to the US, to the us in for college a little over 10 years ago it was like oh wow like i feel like where the the americans are at in in where in juxtaposition to where i felt like things were at growing up and this is obviously just from my lens and my experience it was night and day different. Like, you know, the gay community was just like so celebrated in Toronto and granted it's a big city. I'm sure there's small cities in Canada where that wasn't true, but that's what my experience was. And, you know, growing up doing theater, growing up, um, really, really surrounded by so many incredible, incredible humans who are out and proud, um, you know, and just having that experience at such a young age, it was just like, oh yeah, this is, you're either straight or you're gay, right? But the idea of being something in the middle um, was not something I really understood um, and frankly was something that I think often was depicted as 
not real or valid. And it still is um, to a large degree. I think that's changing. And I'm so grateful to be seen by so many of you as a voice for part of that change. It's not something I never imagined would be real um, for me or a part of my experience. But, you know, I, I think this really hit me over the head the last couple of months between having so many of you reach out who identify as bisexual or think you might identify that way and are in a marriage to a man or have been in a long-term relationship with a man for a long time and are now questioning if you really are straight. Um, That's been a really, really big, 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 big thing in my DMs and my messages and all my social media platforms. Um, And, you know, that was a big part of my story, huge part of my story. So we're going to deep dive into that because I've never really, really talked about my bisexuality on this platform I have in ways and I have, you know, obviously like with guests and, you know, coming out as Polly, like I talk about my personal experiences in that, in that space and what it was like to step into Polly was in, in a lot of ways, um, in tandem with me stepping into my bisexuality. So it's hard for me to separate the two because that was my personal experience. But when I, I spent the last couple of months really thinking about, my journey with my body and and how that has related to my sexuality and also in writing this incredible um piece um that I was asked to write with uh love what matters I'll link it for you all in the show notes um I was so 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 honored to be asked um it's an incredible platform with first person stories of you know people who um have stories that are inspiring and um you know I really deep dove for the first time since since honestly the process of writing my book in 2019 into myself from a writing standpoint I'm always doing things like this you know talking um, on the podcast or talking on other people's podcasts doing videos um, facilitating videos in our you know patreon community um, and and teaching and facilitating this way via via zoom you know that that's literally how I do almost everything that I do um, in the container of you know my live your fuck yes life world um, but uh, writing outside of my poetry this year, you know, I haven't really written about my story so much um, since writing the book. And as I was writing the book, I was still holding a lot of shame around my sexuality. And I started writing the book before I came out publicly. In fact, most of my book writing experience was done before I came out as bi. It was only... I want to say a third of the book that I wrote after I had come out and I was not out as Polly at that point, um, even though I was out with my friends and family, um, but I wasn't out publicly. So there was just a lot of stuff I was working through internally around that component of my life while I was writing, I chopped off my tits, um, which P.S. if you haven't read it and you're curious, I know a lot of you have been reaching out about that too. You can check it out in the show notes too, or just go to amandacatherinemalloy.com forward slash book um, and snag your copy. But yeah, it's been a wild, a wild experience for me. And when I was looking back on the podcast episodes, I was like, okay, you know, episode 100 is where I showcased, you know, incredible humans who all have different coming out stories. And we celebrated pride in in such a beautiful way this year um, by showcasing these human stories. And I shared a little bit about my journey in there as well. Um, 
but really, you know, I didn't even really come out when I talked about um, outside of saying, yeah, I think I'm bi. And like, that was really it. I didn't talk about how I got there or what that journey has been like. So we're going to unpack that today. You ready? <laughs> Let's fucking go. So I genuinely feel like I was not able to really own the nuance of my sexuality for three big reasons. The first, and I think the most important reason, which is the one that I I was talking about a little bit before, and the one that I think most of us um, probably can relate to, no matter how you identify, is that we have been, as a society, so programmed to step into the straight, you know, heterosexual narrative. Um, and that, you know, a man and a woman get together and that is how you find love. That is how you, um, experience turn on. And that is how even you, you build security. I mean, think about what we've been programmed to and really what our, our, I'm, you know, I'm about to turn 30 and my parents are in their sixties and their generation, you know, grew up in the fifties. That's when they grew up. And so they have the experience of, you know, the nuclear family and that being this expected way of living, you know, um, and having, uh, you know, this very picture perfect life that is frankly, uh, from my standpoint, I always think about it from the, like from the Jetsons. Did you ever watch that show? Um, but I, I used to love that show as a kid and it always makes me think of it, right? Because it's, it's really how we were, we were programmed. Um, and so much capitalism is rooted in that. Um, and, and honestly, so so much, um, intense sexism and rigidity is placed in that space. And it's something that I have always felt really naturally pulled away from when I get, get really to the root of myself. And it's also the thing that's been mirrored to me, right? Like I grew up in a, in a situation that looked a lot like that. You know, I have a mom and a dad um, they, who both went to work and, you know, it was all about security and love and that was what I witnessed and all of my close family members were the same and I didn't see or experience other people who had different looking family structures. Um, I didn't experience polyamorous families. I didn't experience, um, you know, I didn't have any friends who had gay parents or um, anything of that of that nature. Certainly not outwardly or somebody who was out in that way. Um, and I think now we're seeing more of that. But even then and even now, I would say that the the quote norm and what I think most people expect of their kids when they grow up is that they will end up, you know, in a straight, being straight and in a heteronormative seeming relationship um, where, you know, you just continue that nuclear family dynamic. It's been so programmed into us as a society. And so to think outside of that box, it takes a lot of inner like, ah, this is not me, you know, for that to actually come to the surface enough to make a change, enough to, you know, um, 
move the needle uh, where you start to make decisions that say, I can't. It's like, I'm just, this is so not me. I can't do it. Right. And so I think that that was a really big thing that held me back because, frankly, I wasn't having those scream pull ahs. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even know that I, because of my upbringing and, and not just my upbringing, but the way that I was interacted with um, as a young kid, like from six basically all the way up to post-college years, I found it really challenging to be friends with girls because they were always at the center of my bullying experiences. And I talk a lot about this in my book. Um, I have talked a little less about it on, on the podcast, actually. Um, but that's a that's a topic for another episode. Um, but I was ruthlessly bullied um, from six to, you know, through high school um, and then on and off in my college experiences. Um, and frankly, even as an adult in my 20s, um, I've had bullying experiences and Every time it's been with women and having that happen to me at such a young age and especially a lot of my formative years being I would, what I would qualify the worst experiences in that, in that for me, um, I really stayed away from girls um, and I would often feel uh, deep hesitation to even get to know somebody um, because I was so, so, so just, I just assumed that I was going to interact with them and it was going to be really, really negative. And so the idea of developing or even owning any potential attraction that I might have to women was just so out of, off the table for me um, because for me it was really more of like, will you be nice to me even? You know, whereas with I didn't have that experience with men or boys. Um, and so when I was, you know, growing up, I was really close with my brother. We were like inseparable. And um, I ended up developing one best friend who was a girl, but it took a lot for <laughs> us to be friends, um, you know, and that was like, uh, you know, I mean, really, she was probably like my first partner if we're really thinking about how I now see love and how I now see relationships. Um, and I think I always saw it that way. I just, you know, didn't have the language for it. Um, we we weren't intimate or sexual in any way. She's still one of my best friends of all time. But we spoke on the, you know, we'd spend all day at school together and then we'd get home and talk on the phone all night. And like she was my person she was my platonic life partner during a really, really important um, season of my life. Um, but the idea of um, being attracted to women during that, that time of my life, it wasn't even something I could contemplate um, because of my upbringing. So that's, you know, the second big thing for me is I, I just had really negative experiences with, with women with girls and um it, it really tainted my ability to uh you know you put you put up a wall you put up a, a security blanket or you protect yourself and damn did I need to do that big time and I had more positive interactions with 
men and boys and I was always you know kind of a little bit of a tomboy growing up and I just really really uh, identified I think more with I just also was never a part of like the you know the drama and the cattiness that in high school and college a lot of my experience with women surrounded and I just always gravitated to men I always gravitated to um the ease and um the at least the a lot of the men that I was around or the boys that I was around were just really fun and playful and um didn't take things too seriously but were also thoughtful and cerebral and granted there were always you know the the ones that weren't um I just didn't you know didn't spend time with them as much so that was really my experience and because of that I developed deeper connections with more men in my life um and 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 boys even even as you know my first I'll never forget my first boyfriend um you know boyfriend in big quotations um because I was in gosh I think probably grade three or third grade as all you Americans say but yeah um and, uh, you know, my uh, him being my boyfriend just meant that he picked me first in gym class and we would play basketball um, at recess together every single day. And, you know, like he made – well, his mom made me like a scarf and hat set for Christmas. And um, his name was Colin. Colin, if you're listening, um, thank you for being such a lovely first boyfriend. I will never forget you. Um, too funny. A lot of my friends listening probably right now from that time of life are laughing so hard. Oh, yeah. Some people you just don't forget. Anyways. um, But yeah, I just, I felt safer with men, which is interesting because I know a lot of women in my life and probably a lot of you feel the opposite. Um, You know, I have been really lucky to uh and grateful to have been connected to a lot of really really wonderful humans granted frankly in life but especially men I have just um I'm really grateful for that and to have had that experience in my own story so you know for me also identifying as demisexual which is a you know something actually that's I want to talk about too today because you know, a big part of my sexual identity isn't just being uh, bisexual, uh, which for the record does not mean that I'm just attracted to men or women. It means I'm attracted to all people. Bisexuality is, you know, I know there's a term pan- pansexuality, but really it does mean all genders um, or all, all gender identities. Um, it's it's an all umbrella-like term for that Um and certainly within the bisexuality spectrum, you know, there can be a little bit of a difference or if you're talking or thinking about the Kinsey scale, which has issues um, from my standpoint, I don't think it is all encompassing, but we vary in that space, right? Um, sexuality, I think, is a spectrum and, you know, some people are more, I may identify as um, biromantic, aka I can build romantic um, relationships with um, multiple genders, um, but I don't feel sexually pulled to that. Or maybe the opposite; they can be, you know, sexually bisexual, but not biromantic. Um, so there's also that element. There's just so much nuance in this, and I love that shit. I live in the gray. It's the way that I like to 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 be. Um, but there's also been so much. Um, language attached to this stuff to be able to actually name it now, which is why I think we're starting to actually see so many more people step into the nuance of their sexualities, the nuance of their gender, um, because there's language for it now. Um, 
And I'm so grateful for that. And so part of the language that I've learned for myself in the last few years is that I am deeply a demisexual. And what that means is that I do not build uh, or feel pulled to want to interact with somebody in a sexual nature um, until I have developed a strong connection with that person. And that can look different um, depending on the human in question, right? Some people, it can take me a long time to build a strong connection with months, years even. Um, other people, it feels almost instantaneous, like within a, a meeting experience that can happen. Um, so it just really varies. Um, but I, I highly recommend that if if that if you're listening to that, you're like, oh, that feels like me, right? Um, again, there's there's nothing wrong with you to like I always used to think it was so weird of me that like you know I'd have some of my friends talk about one night stands and um being so stoked about that experience and I would always be like oh I don't understand it and when I didn't understand something I would make it wrong and so for a long time I never externally did it but I slut shamed my my people in my life you know I was like well they're just a fucking slut and I'm not like I'm all about relationships I'm all about connection and that's such a uh, very, very, very uh, small and um, uh, totally incorrect way at lens of looking at that. And so certainly I was only looking at it from the lens that I knew and the lens that I had and the information I knew. But for me, because I didn't understand it and it was so foreign to what I knew and I knew that like that was what led to my connections building and my relationships building by taking things in a certain way – and not having these one night stand experiences, you know, I made them wrong. And um, we're just all different and we're all made differently. And there is so much magic in having that experience and um, and having one night stands. Um, so I know so many people who love that experience and feel so liberated by that. And um, it just really, really, really allows them to embody them their fullest selves. And that's incredible. Um, and then other people who are, who are more like demisexual like me, um, um, and so it's just really, really about who you are and understanding who you are at a deeper level. So that, you know, I, I think that came up for me more recently. I, I figured that out about myself. Um, but again, it was even from like, when, you know, I remember like in high school, you know, when I was really starting to mm, feel pulled towards people in more of a sexual way, um, it was always that I was always felt pulled towards men and I also um, never felt pulled to to any man that I didn't know deeply. Um, I always was the girl who was falling in love with their best friend, you know, <laughs> it was just me. Um, and ironically, um, this continued into my early adulthood um, and my 20s um, with women, but I didn't acknowledge that that's what was happening when it was actually happening um so we're gonna get into that for in a little bit but yeah I think for me it was not acknowledging it until later was so wrapped up in my bullying experience and not feeling safe um, and secure because again my demisexuality it it literally I need that experience I need that um in order to interact with somebody sexually um or even feel pulled to interact with somebody sexually so that was a big part of my story and then of course 
the big and final one is that, you know, I, I've had what I would qualify two big relationships in my life thus far. Ones that, um, and, and I'm talking intimate and romantic partners, not best friends because again I don't tend to separate these out personally but right now we're talking about sexuality and um I haven't had sex with my best friends um although uh that's not exclusively true but almost almost completely true um you know, for a long time, those were separate for me. Now living in the poly space, they can be different if I want them to, but for the most part, they're, um, they're platonic, um, at this point. And that has been, you know, my big relationships, um, my big romantic and, and, or should I say intimate relationships? Um, the first one was almost a three-year relationship with, um, my ex-boyfriend that actually came on the podcast in June. I'll link the, the episode, um, with with him um with Wes um in the show notes for you um we talked so much about um the uh black experience because he is black um and um you know having a really open dialogue about race um post all the George Floyd stuff so if you're curious about that and want to learn more about my past if you haven't already listened to that episode you can totally rock that but um you know, we were together for, you know, I think I was 15 when we met and, um, it was, you know, he was the first like love of my life and first everything of my life. And, um, and, uh, and then I think I had a year and a half in between our breakup and meeting my husband, Kevin, which you've obviously seen him all over my, my socials and also on the podcast. Um, and so, you know, we're about to hit our 10 year anniversary of being together And, um, that, you know, I met him when I was 19 years old. So, you know, I developed, he was one of those, you know, initial, I didn't know him beforehand. So he was kind of a, an oddball in that way, but getting to know him on our first date, I felt like I had known him forever. And, um, it's a feeling I haven't had since, you know, um, and a feeling I will never forget. And, I immediately felt that, you know, security and that connection and that pull, it felt like a movie, you know, um, and it happened to me with a man because again, by that point I felt safer with men, even, you know, my closest friends from college are men. (laughs) Um, and, um, it's just, you know, it's just been a big part of my, my journey. Um, and so, then that posed the entire, you know, I didn't really think about my sexuality after that um, because I was always of the the mindset that, you know, okay, well, this is, again, monogamy was the way that I was programmed to believe is, was the only way and I was, you know, fine with that. I was like, okay, you know, it's the only way, it's the way. Um, and I... Um, I Integrity and honesty are two of the most important values and pillars of the way that I live in my life. And so uh, the concept of uh, stepping outside of that or even even questioning that for myself uh, felt really, really, really outside of my own character and myself. So I just kind of turned it off, you know. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that I didn't acknowledge 
when somebody was attractive, but I didn't acknowledge my attraction, if that makes sense. Um, and that's how I operated in the context of my relationship with you know my husband for a really, really, really long time. Um, I had a <laughs> fuck off on my forehead every time we would go out, um, you know, because I just was like, I've committed to this human. Uh, we are in a monogamous relationship and that's just what it is. Um, and, you know, what I'm so grateful for is that I knew when I first met Kev that we would always grow together, that we would always have these huge, beautiful, open dialogues about who we are and what we want and our dreams and, you know, dig into the, the deep stuff that uh, a lot of um, a lot of humans just like I know are, aren't really willing to go. Um, and that was always the foundation of our relationship. And so when I started to uh, step into my body with a more healthy space, which again, I talk about this in the article um, that I mentioned earlier that I did with Love What Matters, but I, you know, with my history of eating disorder cycles, I was really disconnected from my body for a long time. So even acknowledging what turned me on was really, really hard because I was just so at war with my body. And once I started that healing process in 2016, um, you know, around 2017 is when I started to start having more fantasies about women. And, you know, uh, it's, it's honestly, it started with watching Orange is the New Black, <laughs> um, which was before that. But with Ruby Rose, I was like, oh, this human is so attractive. Um, but, and I knew that I had attraction there. But again, it wasn't like something I felt like I was pulled to act on. And then when I started fantasizing or started trying to heal, you know, my relationship with my body in multiple ways by stepping into self-pleasure more, I noticed myself being a lot more attracted and pulled to thinking about women, reading about women, watching women. Um, and, you know, I would watch movies and there would be, you know, two lesbians in the movie and I would find myself feeling incredible. Like I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Um, and I brought this up to Kev and, you know, we talked about it really openly and um, in a way of like, I don't know what this means, <laughs> um, you know, because I, again, had been programmed from a very young age, as I think so many of us have been, to believe that bisexuality was just like a pathway to gay. And I think that that narrative is changing a lot. But I also think it's a still a big part of the narrative. Uh, you know, uh, I know many people who identify as bisexual and who talk about it openly and who get really shamed by the queer community. Um, you know, uh, pick a side is a lot, of, you know, what we're, what we're told. Or if we are in a partnership, um, you know, like for example, I have been in a partnership with my husband Kevin for 10 years and so I get identified as straight all the time um, even though I am the farthest thing from it, um, you know, and and it, it shouldn't take me having 
uh, oh, uh, because I am polyamorous, I have, you know, I uh, have the, the joy of being able to have multiple partners if I choose. I shouldn't have to have a, you know, female identified partner and a male identified partner in order to be seen as bisexual. And I think a lot of you are probably have probably, you know, seen me on social and, and don't know, you know, the, the intricacies of my, my other relationships. Um, and, probably just assume that if I do have any other partners that they are female identified and you know I I would I would ask yourself to ask yourself about that right because even for me I know that I felt that early on in my coming you know too and my 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 journey to coming out really um and owning my my bisexuality as true for me and valid in general, um, you know, twenty seventeen was, um, a long, you know, it really was like a whole year and a half before I actually acted on, um, on my desire to step into that space. It took a lot of talking, a lot of um, self-reflection and a lot of really uh, attempting to pull back the shame for myself. I knew that I wanted to step into that space. And I talk about this with Kevin, um, on the podcast we did around polyamory. I think it's episode 105. We'll be doing more by the way. Um, but also the episode where I came out as poly in episode 101, I talk about that for me, you know, um, my first step into bisexuality and into, having any sexual experience with a woman happened um you know it what has it been now like middle of 2018 so you know a little less than three years two and a half years um and that was you know a year and a half into really seriously considering this but really it was more like my early 20s when we were having these conversations you know because of course you have conversations or at least Kevin and I did around what we're interested in and what fantasies we might have um and it always just felt like this faraway thing that I couldn't really own and you know as I've really owned my bisexuality um between just acknowledging it for myself that it is totally valid for me to be married to a man or in partnership with a man and be bisexual. Um, and, and that is true for anybody, for anyone listening, whether you identify as polyamorous, monogamous, or somewhere in the middle, um, your relationship status does not define your sexuality, period, end of story. It does not define your sexuality. Um, I have, like I said before, talked to so many of you who identify as female and are in a relationship with a male-identified partner and you question if, you know, your bisexuality is even valid because you've chosen that. And it is so fucking valid. It is so, so fucking valid. Um, again, our our relationship structure does not say anything about our sexuality. Um, and I, and I just want to remind you of that, um, because every part of you that makes you, you is valid. Every part of you that makes you, you is worthy and is worth celebrating. Um, and you are such a beautiful and important part of the queer community. The nuance that is, um, being a human is so beautiful and so worth, uh, reveling in from my standpoint. And I, that's what I do that that's that's for my what I try and do every day for myself 
And I also want to remind you that wherever you're at in your own experience of coming home to yourself, right, which is the uh, the theme of this month um, with all the content I've been creating and really just really the theme of what I do, it's all about coming home to your fuck yes self, right? And our sexuality and our relationships are a big part of that. Um, it's a huge part of that, I would argue. Um, connection to self and touch and uh, the way we experience pleasure and the way we experience love and connection and um, yeah, it's just, it's such a beautiful part of who we are. Uh, And I hope that by listening to my story and hearing more about my own journey in this process that you can own your own and acknowledge that, you know, maybe one one time five years ago you thought you were developing a platonic relationship that maybe had romantic overtones with a woman and you know she became your best friend because that's what you knew how to uh, identify it as at the time and when you look back now you realize that really you were madly in love with her and you just didn't know how to put words to that um And you didn't have a sexual experience with her to know that that's true. Um, Maybe that, maybe that's you. Or, you know, maybe, maybe you are uh, in a relationship with, uh, you are a a woman who's in a relationship with a woman and um, you find yourself really attracted to this, you know, bartender that you, granted we're all in COVID times, but this is just hypothetical, a bartender that you, you talk to and you develop this really strong connection with him emotionally and, um, feel yourself feeling pulled towards interacting with him in a sexual way, right? We all live somewhere on, on the sexuality spectrum. And I, you know, interestingly enough for me, I think I land pretty pretty in the middle, but I still have tendencies to feel more safe and secure around men than women. And so because of that, um, I find I, I have a harder time allowing myself to feel safe and open and seen with another woman um, and that I tend to put deeper walls up in that exchange earlier on. Um, and so my options um, tend to gravitate more towards uh, towards men, frankly, um, where I, I, I develop more, more of my relationship with that. That has shifted in the last few years because, generally speaking, just because I have um, – I have so much more self-awareness and worth and confidence in myself. And um, if I interact in a toxic way with a woman, which happens still more than I I would like, I want, can we just be nice to each other? I don't understand. Well, um, I don't understand that. Um, I will. I never will. But um, you know, uh, I also have connected with so many incredible women who are um, truly, truly some of the most amazing humans I've I've ever come to know. And um, those experiences have really allowed me to soften in that space um, between knowing them and, and also being more confident in myself, um, which I think also allowed me to step into my bisexuality with intention um, and into polyamory with intention as a result. So, you know, I um, 
I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for uh, the constant unraveling and um, and unbecoming um, of all of the shoulds and all of the things that I didn't think would ever be for me because they weren't in you know they were outside of the the black and white box that the world had decided for me or that I had decided for myself. Um, and, uh, hell if I live in the black and white, I will always live in the gray. So it's been a really beautiful journey, um, of coming home to me really. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, and I hope that wherever you are in your journey, that you know, you can use this time as you're listening to this to reflect on maybe what are the things that um, stood in my way, whether you are, whether you know where you're at within your sexuality or not, um, what are the things that have, uh, you know, created a narrative in my mind around a a gender? Um, How do I interact with women? How do I interact with men? How do I interact with trans humans and why? Um, you know, like, where, where do I fall on that, in that space? Um, uh, you know, why am I, do I feel so pulled towards men? But the idea of women and interacting with anyone non-binary is, is not something for me. Um, what, how, is that partly because I've been programmed that way or is that really how I feel? Um, you know, curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. That is the way that we can really start to peel back the layer um, and the and, and the layer of the onion that is us, as I always say, and um, and just and really get to the root of who we are. Um, curiosity can, is your best friend, and it has been mine. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful um, for all of the experiences and all the humans that have come into my life that have allowed me to. Uh, dig deeper in that space. So, yeah, that's my that's my coming out um, experience, and um, I will be answering questions in a deeper way around this um, inside of my Patreon, um, my Facebook community on there. So please, 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 if you're not already in there, you can hop on. Like I said before, in Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Live Your Fuck Yes Life. That's also in the show notes for you all. Um, we always do a deeper dive of the podcast episode each week in there, um, and really, really get into your nitty gritty questions uncensored, um, because there's some things you just can't talk about online. Um, so I'm excited to do that with you all. And, um, I'm just so grateful for all of you, however you identify, um, in this community, you are valid, um, and, um, whatever your relationship structure looks like. And if your sexuality maybe is different than that, um, again, you are so fucking valid and worthy and you are seen and I am right there with you. So, uh, I'm really excited for next week's episode. Um, every year on my third, you know, on my birthday, I, I always do a look back on the year. I'm doing something a little bit different as I, as I roll into 30, it's going to be dropping on my 30th birthday, um, 30 in quarantine, eh? Not how I expected to, <laughs> to spend this birthday. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, thank you always. Remember if you are here to subscribe, um, rate and review on iTunes and all that good stuff, it really does help get the podcast in front of more eyeballs and earballs. 
Um, and yeah, as always, I'll see you on the interwebs and in the Patreon. And until, until next week, I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.